It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, Michigan State fans went into last Saturday's game against Minnesota hoping for a rebound. But instead, they were met with one of the worst performances at Spartan Stadium in recent memory. Feel the pain, Spartan Nation, as Mel Tucker and the Spartans were dominated by the Golden Gophers from start to finish, losing 34-7 to drop their second straight game. It's a loss that has sent the faithful into a panic ahead of a brutal October schedule for the Green and White. Is there still hope for the season that once had so much promise? We will discuss the Minnesota beatdown, this weekend's trip to face an improved Maryland team, And since the people need a little hope, some early basketball storylines as practice gets underway on episode 86 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. And I know I just made some promises, guys, but but maybe should we just scrap the football talk and like break down Michigan State soccer, taking home the Big Bear trophy? What do you think? I don't think I'd be able to provide much input on that. I'm sorry. (laughs) It would be a good warm up to me because every year the World Cup run comes around. It's like, oh, man, I wish I would like follow soccer and know anything about this. So um, but I don't. So, yeah, it's going to be tough, like tracking the World Cup in the middle of feast week for college basketball and football uh, this year. I mean, November is just going to be absolutely insane uh, when you consider that the World Cup is happening there for the first time ever. But uh, yeah, sorry, no soccer breakdown here. I don't know. I I often wonder if we should pay more attention to some of the ancillary sports for Michigan State. But, uh, you know, they haven't had a ton of success lately, so it it hasn't come up. But maybe if if, uh, Nightingale keeps this recruiting for the hockey team moving, we'll have some some topics to talk about in the future. Did you see but, the photo of the new Mun that came out? I did. It looks, yeah, looks pretty fun. Yeah, like new Mun looks pretty looks looks pretty sweet. I'm going to have to get over there for a game. Yeah. I mean, I would it's, love it's to like see a, the time. As a parent of young kids in the area, like hockey's my favorite one to go to cuz it's it's easy to get in and out of. It's like it's fast-paced, you sit close to it. Uh we did a hockey game last year and I've liked it better honestly than than other sports I've taken them to. Hockey is fun, man. And Michigan State traditionally has, you know, I would say has been on the fringes of, as of a top 10 program. Obviously, it's been bad lately, but it would be nice to see that program get rolling again because uh, college hockey definitely underrated. But mm-hmm. uh, we are not here to talk college hockey, as Butchergrass says. We are here to talk Michigan State football. And Matt, unfortunately, that's a topic that is a little bit uh, sour for a lot of Michigan State fans lately. Uh, I don't know how else to say it. Um, you know, I, I think Michigan State fans were hoping coming home, Big Ten opener against Minnesota, backs against the wall, lot to prove. This is a spot where Mel Tucker's had success. And instead, uh, the game was pretty much dominated by Minnesota from start to finish, giving up over 500 yards of total offense again on the defensive side and vibes just not good all around at Spartan Stadium last Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it fell over real early. Um 
you know, <laughs> you know, Minnesota takes the ball, drives down, scores, three and out, another drive, score, and it's 14 nothing. And Michigan State, what was it? A first quarter, the yardage was 169 to one, I believe. Uh, second straight week, they ran only six offensive plays. I mean, it was it was just a complete ass kicking from start to finish. I don't know, you know, there's no other way to put it. I mean, me and Kyle are sitting in the press box and it's third and whatever, third and eight, third and six. And we're it's like going over percentages. Like, what do you think the chance they can get a stop? Cause they, they just couldn't. And at one point he's like, all right, what about this? And I was like, Oh, this is a hundred percent. And they throw a <laughs> touchdown pass. I mean, it was just, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, there are so many problems um, across the ball, across the board. Uh, Bryce Berender, one of the best punters in the nation. So you don't got a problem there. Um, Straight to special teams corner. That's not yeah. a good uh, Michigan Everything State. else is, <laughs> I mean, really come out, you know, following that game, give me one positive out of that game that doesn't involve Bryce Berender. No Kim, man. <laughs> Just a part. Right, okay. all right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. We're going we walked, to the... we walked right into that one, man. You yeah, I, I did. We're going to when we when when the positive keeps you know, it's the backup quarterback going in there with uh. You know, but but to the people who seriously think a quarterback change is going to like make any difference with this, sorry to tell you, uh, that yeah. it, that is not the answer here. No, it's not. That, they, they have that... just so many problems all around. <clears throat> That's what that's what people love to go to, you know. Oh, it's the quarterback. Change the quarterback. You know, fire the defensive coordinator. That'll solve all our problems. You know, people want a head to roll when things are going bad like this. I mean, that, that's not specific to Michigan State. That's that happens at every major program across the country. But Matt, you mentioned. It. I mean, we talked about coming in that maybe this would be a, a matchup that Michigan State might be able to handle because Maryland, essentially a running team, uh, they still ran the ball with Muhammad Ibrahim and Trey Potts to the tune of, you know almost five yards per carry or actually six, yeah, five yards exactly as a team on the day. But Tanner Morgan, who has been a ghost of his former self for going on two and a half years now comes into East Lansing, completes all but three passes, throws for 268 yards and three touchdowns. Again, almost 10 yards a pass. That's a 97.2 QBR. This is a concern for Michigan state. If you have guys like Tanner Morgan who are walking in and he's shredding your pass defense. So the 88, I just looked this up earlier, 88.4% uh, uh, completion percentage is the highest uh, Michigan State has allowed since 2000 when Sport Reference started, uh, when their stats go back to. So uh, that'll tell you plenty. Um, yeah, so they thought, you know, this was obviously a run first team coming in, um, and they came out throwing the ball, you know, obviously mixing the run, but they were aggressive passing the ball to start. And, and after the game, Jacoby Winman said, you know, we didn't, we didn't expect that. Um, no, I think it was uh, uh, Derek Harmon yesterday. He's like, yeah, well, we didn't expect that, but we went to the sideline, made adjustments. <laughs> Whatever the you know adjustments they made, again, it, it's just not working. Um, you know, there was just they didn't, you know, twenty three of twenty six. I don't, you know, that is that's just you know kind of an embarrassing statistic. Um, they, they just couldn't defend the pass, and I think that you know the run game going for two forty, they just wore them down, and at that point. You know, they were going to get the yards they wanted because they were dominating up front. Michigan State's defense was on the field for, for 42 and a half minutes. Um, your line is really banged up. You know, we go in without two starters. Um, and then Chris Bogle gets hurt. And then Maverick Hansen and um, Simeon Barrow, who started a tackle, both of them left the game due to injury. Um, you're already missing defensive Jeff Burkowski. So it's just, yeah, 
not not a good situation all around. They got a lot of injuries, um, and and you know that that showed on on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you are missing Darius Snow, Xavier Henderson coming in. I mean, it, you can make excuses that they're missing guys, but you know, it is what it is. Like what? It looks pretty bleak for Michigan State right now. I'm just gonna say it. I mean, a bowl game is. I don't know. I don't know if a bowl game is going to happen looking at this schedule. I mean, and the way this team is playing, the injuries are stacking up. Yeah. What do you I don't say? know what to do. I don't know what to say. What you game know? on that, what game on that schedule do you look at right now and say, that's definitely a win. There isn't a single one of them with, with the way they've played. Maybe and, Indiana. I'll well, say that. Yeah, that's the one that looks most likely <laughs> I would think, but, but still, I mean, by the time you get to November 19th, where's the team, where's this team going to be at, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but you, we knew coming into the year that the schedule was much much more difficult uh, well, earlier in the year than it was last season. Um, but you know, no, I don't think anybody expected two and two at this point in time. And it's not so much the records, the way they were they lost. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, twenty two to nothing the first half against Washington, and like we said, you know, it was just it was over early against Minnesota. So you know, they've been thoroughly outplayed each of the last two weeks. Um, and you know, you're gonna play. At Maryland, Maryland gave Michigan a run last week in Ann Arbor, uh, Ohio State, which right now looks like playing some version of, I don't know, an NFL Pro Bowl team is about as seems about as likely of a win right there. Um, Wisconsin, I know they're a little down this year, but it's still Wisconsin. And then then you go to Michigan to close the month. So, I mean, this this could legitimately be a two and six team, uh, you know, going into November. So. Michigan State making a bowl, Kyle? No, I mean, I mean, I, I think I was probably the lowest on it from the start of the season. Um, but you you needed one of these two. But it's it's like Matt said, it's like if you had lost these games because you turned it over a whole bunch, or you know something something more easily correctable than that. Um, but just the way they're losing, like these last two games. I, like the scores don't even indicate to me how bad they were. And there was 11 points and, you know, whatever, 20 something points. And to me, it was way worse than that. Like, I can't remember back-to-back games. Um, I mean, obviously they had lost some whoppers to Ohio state, but like back-to-back games were like five minutes in, you just like they're, they're toast. Um, well, like when does that happen? And it's, and it's against Washington and Minnesota who might end up being good teams, but like, these are not like the cream of the crop national title contenders. Um, you know, these could be, you know, solid college football teams. So seeing them lose two straight the way that they have with the schedule that they, that they did. I mean, it's, uh, I really, I, I can't see it right now. Cause I mean, even like Illinois looks harder now, Illinois is decent, you know, Penn state we talked about is four and oh, and looking really good. Um, there's just not a lot of games that it's, you can really see them picking off here down the schedule, the way that they played. And it's, and it's hard for me to see them, playing a whole lot better with the personnel um, that we've seen out there. Was Kenneth Walker really that big of a difference (laughs) for this team? Because like, if you look at the roster, it's not that different, you know, it's really not. (laughs) Here's my theory on this. I've I've actually been thinking about this. Like, I think there's a lot of trickle down for it because if you just look at it on the surface, you know, you can pick out like, what, what are we talking about before the season? One or two games where it's like, yeah, they won that game because of Kenneth Walker, Michigan game. But to me, I look at what's happening now and it's like, they're in so much trouble because they can't get first downs in the first quarter. Like you got Kenneth Walker in there, like that dude's grinding for a couple first downs and keeping your offense on the field, giving your defense a rest. 
um, not having them out there for 12 minutes in the first quarter, like that helps them. It's not going to turn them into stoppers. No, but that's going to help you a little bit. Um, Peyton Thorne, if you kind of look at his um, advanced stats, he's just not completing the ball down the field. And some of that's the mechanic stuff we've talked about, but a lot of that is down the field is not open because teams are not defending the run against Michigan State like they used to because they don't have Kenneth Walker. So like the, um, and, and Jalen Naylor being gone has something to do with it. But I really think that a lot of Peyton Thorne's success last year is because he had Kenneth Walker there drawing in a lot of defenders, had a lot more one-on-one matchups and he exploited those. So I, on the surface and in Michigan State's one game, it's not like it's been pitiful or anything. Uh, I don't think they had a good game last week, but um, to me, like there's a lot of like kind of secondary effects of Kenneth Walker um, being gone. And I, I think you can, I think you can kind of connect a lot of dots there. He's the biggest reason. I mean, if he's not the reason they can't defend the past, but I do think that there are like trickle down re- um, uh, effects of Kenneth Walker not being here that we're seeing on the field. Yeah. And, and to the overall point, I, I agree. But um, also remember we talked about coming into the season, how, how they were successful last year. I mean, one, the schedule was set up much easier the beginning half of the year to get them that undefeated start. And then the big, in addition to Walker, they were 5-0 and in games decided by 10 points or less. They were 4-0 in games by 5 points or less. Um, they had that very thin margin of error, and they, they, they won every game they were in, really. I mean, Purdue was st- somewhat close before being an 11-point loss, but um, they're not. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the last two games, uh, you know, that, that's not a, they're not winnable games. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, like, maybe, you know, I was coming into the season, I had nine wins. I thought, you know, this team had more depth all around, more talent, more experience coming back. You know, you knew you weren't going to be able to replace Walker, but I thought Berger and Broussard would do, would do decent in the run game. And and Thorne would, you know, take the next step and, and they'd get some some the playmakers, some more playmakers to emerge. And, and I thought the pass defense couldn't get worse, would be better. And none of this has happened, you know. I mean, they can't run the ball. Thorne struggled. Defense can't get off the field. Again, everything basically is a problem. So, you know, when Mel mm-hmm. Mel opened his presser on Monday, started going over the things and he, you know, watching film, what he saw to correct. It took 70 seconds and he basically <laughs> listed almost everything. You know, I mean it's you know, you know, how well that goes over on Twitter. Um, but you know, uh, it's yeah. it, you know, but you know, whatever. It, it's funny because he, he the list was was long, obviously because it, it is went over better than Scotty Hazelton's press conference. On yeah, <laughs> what did you make of that? Matt? I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know, know what what do they want yeah. him to do? Want him to go up there and you know ask people to throw tomatoes at him? Um, <laughs> yeah, think he's going to walk said. in there and 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 announce? We suck. Re- We're terrible. My kids are awful. <laughs> like, what do they want him to you, say? You think he's going to go in there and be like, "I'm resigning" or "I'm I forfeit my salary"? No, I mean that shit isn't going to happen. I mean this is. <laughs> I mean, this is a reality. He's going to stand up there and say, well, these are the problems. I mean, nobody's going to like the answers he's going to give. I, I don't, I just don't know what he thinks he's going to say, you know, after what Mel said last week, basically owning it and giving, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I was surprised they, they made him available to talk to us. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, give him credit for that, honestly. Yeah. And Throw him up I, there, make him face the music. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you know this is a business, you know, you're making a million dollars a year. Um, you're, Defense is not playing well at all. So stand up there for 18 minutes and take some questions. So if they're going to yeah, try I, and hold players accountable, he's got to hold his coaches accountable. Exactly. Too. Yeah. And, and, you know, Scotty talked about that at the end. He said, you know, he got asked about 
you know, coaches owning up to mistakes. And he said, yeah, absolutely. That's like the first thing we do sometimes is we go in the room and say, look, here's basically where I could have been better, you know? So I, I do think there's a chance that Washington and Minnesota are, you know, legitimate top 20, 15 level teams this year. So if you're a Michigan state fan, I guess you can kind of look at that and be like, okay, well maybe we're more like a top, you know, 45 team or 40, 45 team. And maybe we're playing against, you know, teams that are just straight better than us this year. But if when the more concerning is like you go into, you're going to Maryland and you're more than a touchdown underdog, like right off the jump. I mean, that's not something that has happened if you're Michigan state. I mean, they've pretty much owned the series 10 wins to two. They're riding a four game win streak in the series. Michigan, uh, Maryland hasn't beaten Michigan state since the three and nine season in 16. We were talking a little bit before that we started recording that this team, you know, could, push that three and nine team with this schedule. Um, but you know, you're going to Maryland again, a team that's known for passing, uh, Talia tug you know, he's a little bit questionable coming in, but I saw yesterday at this press conference, he said he was hundred percent. Yeah. He's um, going to play. <laughs> yeah. I think he's going to play. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett is their leading receiver. He's also a little banged up, but it looks like he might have a chance to go. And even if he doesn't, you know, they've got Jay Sean Jones, Jacob Copeland, Dante Demas has had a bit of a slow uh, start to the season coming off injury, but we know he's an explosive playmaker and Minnesota has been running the ball this well this year with Roman Hemby. Uh, he's got 48 carries for 342 yards, three touchdowns. It's almost seven yards a carry. Maryland so far this year with wins against Buffalo, Charlotte, and an impressive win against SMU, I thought. Uh, obviously lost the, the close game to Michigan last week, but definitely gave uh, the Wolverines a little bit of a scare in Ann Arbor. This is no pushover Maryland team, Matt. No, I, you know, Mike Loxley's a good coach. You know, it's taking a while to build or attempt to build what he's doing there. Mel knows him, you know, basically calls him a friend because, you know, they haven't worked together, but know each other for a while. Um and there's talent there. I mean, that DMC area, I mean, there's there's talent to, to get. And if you can pull that in, you can try to put something together. I know that it's kind of a weird situation with the fan base where they actually beg people to come out. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess to the point spread and being an underdog, I mean, I when the, when the line opened at Kyle 4. And then, it opened at 4 and it moved to 7 pretty yeah, quick. I yeah. mean, when it opened at 4, I thought that's pretty low. Uh, uh, well, just because what, what we've seen the last two weeks, what, you know, and, and Maryland showed, you know, I thought a pretty decent, put together a decent performance in Ann Arbor last week and was winning that game late in the first half, you know, what, despite fumbling the opening kickoff, Michigan scores one play later and and Maryland was leading that game uh, just before halftime when Michigan scored on what fourth down Blake Corum, I think ran one in, if I was not mistaken. And that kind of changed the game, but they were right in it, you know? So yeah, I mean, this is, a, you know, this is a solid team. Um, and again, not to keep repeating this, Michigan State hasn't shown anything to make you think they go on the road and, and, and be the favorite, to say the least. So, um, yeah, this is a, it's a tough game for them. And, and to uh, talk about Iloa, yeah, that was a weird situation yesterday. So Loxley does his press conference and says both him and Jared are, are uh, game day decisions while basically admitting I'm not giving you anything, you know, nobody else talks about injuries, so I'm not going to either. And then whatever, however long later he gets up, you know, gets up there. He's like, Oh, I feel like I'm hundred percent. I'm fine. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I'd be shocked if he doesn't play on Saturday, it's supposed to rain. Uh, so maybe that has an impact, but uh, I don't know that I still don't even know if that really helps Michigan state because they can't run the ball lately. So. 
we sat here last week and talked ourselves into Michigan State performing well against Minnesota because Minnesota is a, a run-heavy team, and we look what happened. Now they face, I think, a pretty good passing offense and one of the better quarterbacks of the Big Ten, so I, yeah. I, I don't see it. Unless the rain makes it impossible to throw. Yeah, oh, it was a weird, rain. weird game there last time. Connor Hayward ran for like a hundred and career high, like a hundred and some yards. He ripped off that eighty-yard gain. It was the Lewerke and and was still injured. And I think they were, God, was he? They played Rocky that game too at some point. I don't remember. Max Rosenthal jumped on a fumble in the end zone <laughs> for a touchdown. It was a it was a wacky day in, in College Park. There was some some weird stuff going on that game, but. uh yeah, it's been a while. So they, you know, they haven't played in since 19. They were supposed to play twice. They were on schedule twice in 20, and both those mm-hmm. games got canceled. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I well, know. I think I think we kind of laid last out the challenge. Obviously, obviously they played yeah. last year. I'm sorry. Anyways, I know you were talking about in College Park, but yeah, um, yeah, that's what I meant. Um. Well, we, I think we kind of know the challenges Michigan State's going to face in this game. The pass defense, they can't cover anyone now. The pass rush that was so dominant to start the year has all but disappeared. That's a bad combination. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if it's they don't have enough players. I mean, you look in the secondary in particular and the in the linebacking core, they've got a lot of transfers. You know, Mel struck gold with the transfer portal last year. Maybe these guys weren't playing at their SEC schools for a reason. <laughs> Is kind of maybe well, what we're what we're learning here. I mean, they had they started two two members of their secondary that started last week were former Division two transfers, um, which you know, I mean, again, you can get talent from from you get find that hidden uh, gems like you know Mel talked about you know when you coach in the NFL you get guys from small schools all the time. This is right, and I thought Kendall Brooks has stepped up and played you know pretty well. You know, he's got three forced fumbles. He now leads the team in tackles. Uh, but when your safety makes 18 tackles in a game, that's not a statistic you're going to want to see. You know, that's some Dan Bass numbers from back in the day when he's making 30 stops because Ohio, was it Ohio State and beat him by like 40 points. Or whatever. But, um, you know, Justin White, and I'm, unless he's been put on scholarship, I'm pretty sure he came in as a walk on. So, I mean, interesting situation. Obviously, injuries and some ineffective play have, have gone into that. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I think from a big picture standpoint, it's not looking like this season is going to be great for Michigan State. Maybe they can pull some wins together here and sneak into a, a you know a lower tier bowl. But you know anyone who was expecting a follow up to to last year, uh, you know we talked about the razor thin margin that they played at last year. Everything seemed to break their way. They made plays when they needed to. The schedule was more favorable last year. Um, and you know I think we were Michigan State fans if they're really being honest with themselves knew that this was always a possibility, a step back to reality. You know, Mel Tucker, he's going to need some time. I know it's his third year, but he had the COVID year. The recruiting classes are ticking up. They just got a four-star recruit this week, actually, despite the poor performances. So I think if you're a Michigan State fan and you're looking for a little bit of solace, it's that you need to wait a little bit for Mel to maybe get some more guys in here, get some more depth. Um, You know, he's leaned really heavily on the transfer portal, which we've seen can, you know, be a hit or miss thing that's really not how you're going to build a program. So uh, if they can up the talent level, get more guys in the depth chart that have a higher talent level, you know, I, I'm not, I don't think people should be bailing on this Mel Tucker thing. You know, nationally people are going to make fun of his contract. They're going to make fun of how much money he's making to lose games. But I know it's, it's, uh, it's a lot to ask people to keep a level head in this day and age, but 
you know, this really is still the start of the Mel Tucker experience here. Yeah, um, it was what it's been 10 months since he signed a 10 year fully guaranteed $95 million contract. Yeah, I would I would pump the brakes on going crazy uh, so quickly. You know, I think Mel showed last, you know, he's shown he's a good coach. You know, he's shown he can recruit, you know, um, the record as a head coach is not something that you think would lead to a contract like that. But, you know, I mean, these things happen in college football and in sports in general. You see this, you know, it's, you know, quite frankly, I mean, who knows how much it's, it's a couple of billionaire donors that are pumping money into this contract an unknown amount. Um, if they feel it was worth it for him to get that, to keep mini slanting and so be it. So um, yeah, you know, this just might end up being a rough season. Um, but you know, though, if he can continue to recruit, um, I think you'll see that, you know, the talent level increase, obviously. I mean, was it the, the loss at Ohio State last year and they got blown out and the, got it. Mel got asked, you know, what are you going to have to do to close the gap against them? And he said, you know, recruit, which, you know, very telling answer. I, I will say, like, if you're going to be a 9.5, get paid 9.5 million, you got to act like a $9.5 million head coach, um, you know. And so if this isn't working, like, you got to do the things to make it work, whether that's staff changes. Um, I mean, I think they are recruiting well, but um, and like, like I'm, not, I'm not in for in-season coordinator changes because like who on that staff is going to step in and, and turn the defense around. Um, yeah, Matt's shaking his head. Uh, but yeah. in the offseason, if, if there's glaring things, like I, you can't be D'Antonio and just sit there and be loyal to your dudes and kind of keep keep the status quo, you know, while it goes downhill. Like, like you got to be, if you're going to, if you're going to commit like that to being a championship level program, you got to be doing things that other programs at that level are doing, in my opinion. Well, and D'Antonio, by the time his assistants were struggling, had built up enough equity with Big Ten championships and bowl, right. big, huge bowl wins that he deserved more of the benefit of the doubt. Now, did he wait too long? Yes. But, you know, Mel Tucker, yeah, Peach Bowl was nice, but his track record as a coach is nowhere near where Mark D'Antonio's is. And if you look at these SEC schools, they're, they're bringing dudes in and out every year. I mean, Michigan did it. They were changing coordinators every year. You know, if you're going to, consider yourself to be a high level program. You can't be afraid to make changes, particularly when this defense is just getting absolutely shredded. And we see it. We see former Michigan state defensive players on Twitter talking about how they're embarrassed by this. And we're supposed to be a defensive school and we're known for defense. And what are we doing here? And, you know, random fans on the internet are one thing, but when you start to see, you know, the family people in house in the program start making comments about the defense, I think that's when people take notice a little more. So season far from over, obviously Michigan state still has a lot to play for here. You know, if they go out to Maryland and and win a game and look good doing it, maybe we're, you know, changing our tune next week, but uh, 3 30 PM Fox sports one is where you can watch the game. Not going to be an easy trip for Michigan state, but backs are definitely against the wall with these injuries and these back-to-back poor performances. So if they want to salvage anything in this season, this is probably where it's got to start considering who's coming up in October. How many um, guys do you think started last week that were Anton or were uh, Tucker recruits? Like high school recruits? Yep. One, Harmon. Did Harmon start? I, I it's hard for me to tell when I'm in the stands. So. Nope. All right, so it was two. So Keon Coleman, Charles, Charles Brantley. How many portal guys started? All the rest. Nine, <laughs> nine, nine portal guys. Nine. Two, two recruits. That speaks to the talent he thinks he has in the room. It really does. So, 
Um, anyways, that's enough, man. I'm getting depressed. I might start crying. We gotta, we gotta move on. <laughs> we gotta move on to basketball. Uh, let's, how about hope? Hope springs eternal, Kyle. Like, you know, I, until, you know, it gets to February and Michigan state's lost three straight and they're lingering around 500 and people want him fired and, uh, you know, that stuff. But, uh, right now, Michigan state hope is there. It's basketball practice getting underway last week. Tom Izzo seemed pretty chipper at his opening press conference. Uh, I mean, what are some of the things you're looking at here quickly, Kyle, uh, as basketball gets underway? I mean, we'll have plenty of time to break down the roster and, you know, get into some more things. But obviously they have some injury news. And I know the schedule has been a topic of conversation, too. Uh, yeah. So first practice on Monday, had a chance to talk to Tom and and, and watch the practice. And I mean, the first thing that stands out to you is there's eight healthy scholarship players on the floor. Um you know, cause they, it, which is, which is two things, you know, one is, um, the injuries, um, Jade Nakins has the stress reaction, not a stress fracture, a uh, stress reaction in his left foot. Um, that timetable has been extended as we, um, said there was a good chance it might be. Um, so I, you know, they said four weeks, which is going to put about in about two weeks before the start of the regular season. So I think you are now getting to the point where you're thinking about, is he available? Is he not hundred percent? Is he, you know, on a pitch count um, when they start and how does that affect them? So I think we're, we're having that conversation now. Um, and then um, Lee Hall was also out. Uh, they said that's like a weak thing. A stub toe is what Tom put it. Um, so um, that one shouldn't be an issue, but um, yeah, I mean, you, this is what we talked about when they kind of chose this route in the summer um, it, going with a smaller roster. You don't have much room for these sorts of things. And, um, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of at the minimum there as far as players, but Izzo seems comfortable with it. I mean, his philosophy is I'm going to be loyal to the guys that I've recruited here and not recruit over them constantly, you know, um, the biggest, biggest, uh, position there being center, um, which is the biggest question mark on this team too. Um, but you know, I, I do think kind of the upside and maybe why they're not too concerned is, the roster is small, but there's a lot of flexibility to it. You know, a lot of guys that can play multiple positions, a lot of guys that can shoot. I think you can get a lot of different looks out of this lineup. Um, so while there's not a lot of guys, I think a lot of them can kind of plug and play different places. I think, you know, Malik Hall is going to play the four. He's going to play the three. Um, I think you can go small and play a Pierre Brooks at the four if you want to. Um, you know, he was even talking about playing, you know, um, Jackson Kohler at the four, if you want to go big, um, don't have a lot of centers. I'm not sure you want two of them on the floor at the same time, but maybe in small doses. Um, but my, I guess my biggest thing I wonder is like, are they really going to go small a lot? Um, because I think Tom Izzo is always dropping hints that they might, um, which I think a lot of people are going to be in favor of. Um, I'll read you the one quote that stood out the, to me the most. He said, we have to exploit mismatches that benefit us and not worry as much about mismatches that would benefit our opponent. Um, and if you follow this program for a while and you follow Tom Izzo, um, that's notable because usually priority number one is defense and don't have mismatches out there that we're going to get scored on. And here he is for the first time I can ever remember saying, yeah, we'll live with that um, if we can have um shooting in the in our front court and have Jackson Kohler out there um you know hitting threes and stretching the defense and creating spacing and creating driving lanes and being able to play in the pick and roll and, and things like that. So I I do think that they're going to be a little more flexible this year, um, which is interesting. I think it could be a different look. I mean it's going to be tough against Oscar Sheboy in the second game of the season if you want to do that. 
Um, but um, those Timmy. are some of my takeaways. Yeah, <laughs> do Timmy. Yeah, um, and uh, Purdue. You know, with um, um, having their Zach Eady and all their seven footers. Hunter I'm Dickinson, sure. Trace Jackson right. Davis. <laughs> so um, it's going to be interesting because I mean, I, Tom. You know, Michigan State doesn't really go small very much. I mean, they like playing traditional centers and being big. But I think um, I think Izzo is um, willing to be a little different and kind of he kind of has to honestly with the roster he put together. So um, we get we'll get a lot more into it. But those are some of my original takeaways. Um, the, the, I think the Aikens injury being the main thing you're looking at because. You, you're without him, you're with him limited. I mean, you get kind of one warm-up game against Northern Arizona, and then you're into, you know, Gonzaga, Villanova, Alabama, Notre Dame. Like se- seven games of probably the toughest seven straight non-conference games they've ever played, I think. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Uh, I've, got a, yeah. I've got some basketball um, knowledge to, to share. Oh. A limited amount of it. I was in, in, in Spartan Stadium for the game last week, and Malik Hall got in the elevator with the walking boot on. And the person operating the elevator said, pointed it out and said, it doesn't look good. And he just said, oh, no, there's nobody here. All right. So there, there you go. go. There's, there's my contribution. I immediately reported <laughs> that to Kyle. <laughs> ah, excellent. I like it. A uh, little elevator uh, scoop there. I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, I mean, Michigan's, it is interesting that Tom Izzo's choice to sort of zig instead of, you know, when everyone else is zagging in this transfer portal era to sort of stick to his guys. There could be something for it. I mean, if they have that continuity, if the team chemistry is there, I mean, I don't know, we could all be calling him a genius here. I think the one thing Michigan State has going for him, and again, we'll get more into this and Jade Nakins included is there are a, like, what Kyle, like six or seven dudes on this team that could take a big step, you know? I mean, like, I don't know, Hogard, Akins, Brooks, uh, Sissoko, Malik Hall. I mean, any yes, of these guys. Could, several could of those guys I've been saying that for one or two years about, though, is the problem. Um, true. But true, yes, it's, but still not, it's still true. I mean, can, can Joey Howard take a step finally? Sure. Can Malik Hall? Um, I mean, I see unbelievable games from him from time to time. Can he do, be that more often? Maybe. Um, but Hogarth yeah, I mean, seems like the most likely one. Hogarth me. seems yeah. the most likely. I think Jaden Akins, uh, once he gets over this foot thing, is is the real good candidate for it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, no, I agree because there's going to be a lot of guys that have a lot more um, have a lot more opportunity. I mean, I think even Tyson Walker, um, second year in the Big Ten, I think last year was a big transition year for him. I think this year he's more comfortable. I, I think they're going to use him a little bit more to his benefit as far as getting him off the ball letting him focus a little bit more on shooting. Um, I, I think that could benefit him. So yeah, there's a lot of guys that could, I mean, if, if you want to play seven or eight, which is not that much smaller than they honest, than they normally do anyway, if you want to play seven or eight, there's going to be a lot of guys with a lot more opportunity. And that I think creates the possibilities for guys to really break out like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anyone who's been complaining about too many rotations lately, won't have to worry about it this year. I don't think because uh, they're not very deep. <laughs> Well, we'll skip that point in November when he's playing 11 and just go straight to like January when he's playing. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll keep an eye on it obviously. And uh, you know, there'll be more basketball news as the season season gets closer. Um, And obviously we'll still be on board with, uh, with the football season, no matter how it goes, Matt, you're heading out to Maryland, correct? Actually. Yeah. My, my FedEx just dropped off my press passing credential parking pass and credentials. So all set. I was some of them I filled out this year. I don't remember. Uh, the parking pass is needed in advance. The credential, you don't care about until you get to the stadium, but 
Um, yeah, so all that stadium freaks me out. I feel like it's like the most vertical one like I've ever been to. Oh. It was like, yeah, yeah. It's really like if you fell down, you would fall like all the way down. <laughs> you should should have been at Washington. Uh, highly yeah, vertical, that looks, open open air yeah. press box. If you had a fear of heights, um, <laughs> it would it would have been highly uncomfortable for you. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember much about the stadium at Maryland other than it being mostly empty and like. You know, first quarter, right before the gate, I saw Brian Lorkey's parents like walking to the stadium. Said I, and then like, like first quarter, I'm just looking on the sideline. I'm like, oh, there's parents again. Like, it's just easy to find anybody in the crowd that day because there weren't many fans, and we had a park. Well, mile well I have a feeling you know there might be a few more fans this year. Maybe I, Maryland I, is playing so. better. So, yeah. um, and this is a game they're favored in. So. Uh, if you're Michigan State, it's put up or shut up time uh, if you want to do anything with this season. Uh, like I said, game is in Maryland. It's on FS1, 3.30 start. That will be their covering. Uh, we will be watching, and we'll keep an eye on the basketball stuff. If you could please like, rate, and interview the podcast uh, wherever you're listening. It would be very much appreciated. Our work at visitmlive.com slash Spartans, and you know where to find us on Twitter. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Braden Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Oh, great.